Welcome to All Roads from Oberlin. I'm Julian Worth, a rising junior. I'm Maddie Henke, a very recent graduate. And I'm Patty Stubel, an 0809 Oberlin alum. The three main stages in anyone's life. The episode you're listening to is part of a little mini-series we're doing where we talk to alumni about their individual paths and what they've learned from walking on them, or crawling, or running, usually all three of them at various points. Today's interview was conducted by my co-producer, Maddie Hankey, and uh, I don't mean to tell tales out of school, but Maddie just graduated a couple months ago and just got a job working at an oyster farm, so stay tuned for, I guess... I don't know, I guess interviews with oysters? Anyway, in this episode, Maddie's talking with Sean Roggenkamp, an 08 alum who, I have to say, really gets into it. So keep listening for stories about being a personal assistant and why your college major might not really matter all that much. Hi, I'm Sean Roggenkamp. I graduated from Oberlin class of 2008. I was a theater major and an art history minor, and I currently work at Christie's in New York. And what exactly was your Oberlin life like? I was an enormous theater kid. Um, That was like kind of all that I did with all of my time. (laughs) (laughs) But I had a moment in my sort of junior year when I realized that that wasn't the life that I wanted for myself of like auditioning and dealing with rejections and trying to put together that kind of a career. And around that same time, I took my first art history class and it was amazing. And I realized that was what I wanted to be doing instead of what I had been doing. I think a stress that I have and that other people graduating now have is about choosing the right thing that we're passionate about. And Mm -hmm. are there ways that you've kept theater around in your life? Oh, that's a really good question. Thanks. (laughs) If a lot of friends, mostly other Oberlin connections, a lot of them are still involved in theater. And so, you know, I have people who give me tips about good things I should check out and then go see our friends' shows. And, you know, I mean, that's the nice thing about the arts is that you don't have to give them up. If you decide that you don't want to be a, a professional writer, you can still read great books. If you decide that you don't want to be an actor, you can still go to the theater all the time. <laughs> loved history as a kid. I always thought it was really boring because it was kind of just about wars and leaders and you had to memorize lots of facts and dates and stuff like that. And I feel like the thing that art history brings to that is more about culture and what real people are doing and and the sort of thoughts and lives of people and how they experience the world. So a lot of what I like about art history is actually that it's a good window to look at history history. I had no clear plan at all when I graduated. I graduated in 2008. I had an idea that I wanted to move to a city. I had a friend who had an open room in her apartment in Queens. And so I moved to New York in August or September of 2008, right before the economy entirely collapsed with no job and no plans. (laughs) You know, I mean, I don't say I necessarily recommend it as a strategy, but it made me figure something out quickly. So I was working at the same time a couple days a week at the Jewish Museum in their curatorial department and at the Rubin Museum, which is a museum of Himalayan art. 
So I was there for a year and then I moved to Brooklyn and lived with other Obies who were friends of mine. And then my whole life completely turned around when I moved in with other people who I liked more and got along with better. And then also had been here for a year, knew my way around and um, had a better idea of what I was doing. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you went to grad school, right? It was a couple of things. So I had been working at the museum. I worked at the Jewish Museum for a year. I was looking at um, job postings and talking to some of the curatorial assistants I was working with, and they all had master's degrees. All the job applications wanted master's degrees or master's degrees preferred. That was like, okay, this is the next step. When I was in grad school, I was really glad that I had taken that time. Like I actually took three years between undergrad and grad school. I know in some different fields, um, they say like, don't go to grad school if like it's not like mostly paid for. Like I know writing is one of those things. In art history, is that a rule that you'd suggest or? Yeah, it's something I'd suggest for a PhD program. Anything in the humanities, I would not enter a PhD program unless it's paid for. Most humanities uh, PhD programs are really small. So, um, you know, it's not like a huge group of people. Um, A lot of places I was looking at for standalone masters will have a standalone masters and a PhD and they fund their PhD students, but not their master's students. And they use what they make from the master's students to afford the PhD program. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's, you know, this and that. But one of the things that doing a master's taught me is that I didn't want to do a PhD. You know, that's something you really have to be committed to because it's like five or maybe seven years or maybe longer than that. So I ended up going to a school called the Courtauld Institute, which is in London, uh, which was very cool. Um, Yeah, wow. (laughs) One advantage to doing grad school in the UK is that a master's degree only takes one year. Wow. Oh. Yeah. It was a nine-month program. It started in October and it ended in July. Nice. I had no idea. Yeah. It's it's a really cool school. There was another Oberlin student there at the same time that I was. And so we hung out a lot. We didn't even know each other before we met up at an Indian restaurant in London. And that was where we met for the first time. (laughs) But it was really nice to just like know that there was someone else there who... Oh, totally. It was easy to be friends. We'd been through so much. We had tons of friends in common. We just had never met each other before somehow. (laughs) Strange and perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that grad school does give you, uh, whether you were looking for that or not, or the thing it gave me at least, is a new start and a jumping off point. I mean, unpaid internships are terrible and they shouldn't exist, but (laughs) that's a thing that is out there and does help people get their feet in the door. So I did a work experience at Christie's London office. So the people that I was working with there put me in touch with the HR department at Christie's in New York. And I ended up taking a temporary job after grad school working in Christie's New York office. I only ended up staying there for about two months. And then I worked a bunch of other places. And then I ended up coming back to Christie's about three years ago. Yeah. What were those other places? (laughs) What's that whole process? And what was like the best one and the worst one? Oh, God. (laughs) I have a definite worst one. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I did this temp job. And then when that was wrapping up, I had a friend who was also working a temp job somewhere else. And we used to get together and complain about how much we hated working temp jobs. (laughs) And someone in his office, her fiance's mother was looking for an in-home personal assistant um, in a big fancy penthouse. Not actually, it wasn't a penthouse. It was a, a very fancy apartment. 
um, to like, I don't know, like read her mail and, and keep her schedule and stuff like that. Um, and so he put me in touch. Her husband was an Oberlin grad, weirdly enough. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> so they, um, yeah, so she ended up hiring me and it was the worst experience of my entire life. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> on some level, I think I'm just not cut out to be someone's personal assistant, but I think nobody working there was happy and there was a lot of sort of yelling and screaming and, you know, eventually I think I lasted, I don't know, three or maybe four months. There's a um, an arts specific job board in New York that is NYFA.org, N-Y-F-A. And I found a job there that I cold applied to without knowing anybody and got hired. Wow. Um, so that was, I know that doesn't seem to ever right. happen. You never hear about that happening. <laughs> but it was at an organization called the Barnett Newman Foundation. Barnett Newman is an American artist in the 50s and 60s. It's his library and his archives. So I worked there for three years and that was lovely and very, very small office, which is why I ended up moving on. You know, in a two-person office when one of them is the executive director, <laughs> there's not there's not a lot of, you know, space to be promoted or management opportunities and things like that. So I left there and I went to work at a startup, an, an online auction house called Paddle 8. Then they had a massive financial crisis and I got laid off about a month after I started that job. Uh, and at that time, I called Christie's back up again and I said, hey, I have immediate availability. I was a temp worker for you a long time ago. Do you have any temp jobs open now? And they had something and brought me in. And um, then when that was finishing up, I went back to HR and said, hey, I want to I stay here. What what can I do? And they put a couple things in front of me and I found one that looked like it worked for what I like to do and the kind of work I was interested in. And so I've been on that team for the last three years. Wow. And it's going well? Yeah, it's going, it's going well. I'm a, I'm a senior team member. <laughs> it's interesting just right now with like everything that's going on because the, um, one of the things that's really lovely, at least so far, um, they haven't done any layoffs. They have gotten rid of a lot of their temp workers but for full-time staff, there haven't been any layoffs. They've been very open about everything to people so far, as far as, you know, I guess, as far as we know. Looking at some other people's experiences and some things that friends of mine have been going through um, at other companies, I'm very happy with how they've, how they've handled things so far. So I'm feeling very lucky to be where I am right now. One thing that just thinking, just thinking about things a little bit, I was realizing how much um, other Oberlin connections helped me out with stuff when I was starting out. It's hard to reach out to people and, and say, I'm new in town and, and can you help me out? Majorly. It's really scary. I, I can't do that now. You know, it's, I mean, it's really hard. It's really hard to network with people, but if you're going to approach somebody, make sure you know what you want from them. It's easier for people if you can give them something to start with. Can we get coffee and talk about your career? Can we have questions about entering this industry or something like that? But I think the more specific you can be, the easier it is. A lot of the people that really helped me out were people who were my peers. So like the tutoring job, you know, that was a friend from Oberlin who lived someplace else who said, oh, I'm doing this and maybe that'll work for you too. The temp agency that I worked through for a little while was another friend of mine. You know, she made the introduction and then they were more willing to take me on than if I had just called them or sent them a resume or something like that. 
So, you know, it doesn't have to be top of the heap, but stay connected to your friends and figure out what people are doing and yeah, share those ideas when they can and connections. I mean, introductions to people can be so valuable or they can turn out terribly like my horrible personal assistant woman, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that wasn't an Overland connection, but you know, but you know, there are people all over the place and um, there's plenty of things I think that even aren't just necessarily based in just one one, you know, just based where you are, that if you can stay in touch with people and reach out, I think you can get a lot of help from, from your peers as much as from more established people. You know, you just have to find your thing and figure out a way to make it work. And then don't be discouraged if it doesn't happen quickly, you know, Mm -hmm. it's hard. It's a rough time, but it comes together. Things will happen. (laughs) (laughs) What What are you studying? I'm a Latin major and a creative writing minor. Interesting. What do you want to do with a Latin major? Um, maybe nothing. A lot of my interests are within like writing, particularly writing like comedy. Latin has introduced me to like archaeology and archiving work. But yeah, I'm definitely on the graduating without any sort of plan. Yeah, that's I did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a Latin, t- I mean, my high school Latin teacher. The main reason I did Latin was because I've just been doing it for so long and I do care about it and I enjoy translating, but my Latin teacher would be thrilled if that was like a path that I wanted to go down, but I don't know if it is. Oh, that was what I was going to say. Don't worry too much about what your major was. Like when you start applying for jobs, if you have finished college and you decide that what you want to do is go into I don't know, like marketing or museums or whatever, and you have a degree in something else that's not one of those things, don't worry about it. Like people don't, people don't really care that much what your college major was. You know, what they care about is that you have a degree, like that's important for a lot of jobs, but people don't care a whole lot in most fields what exactly your degree was. But yeah, I think people do worry a lot that you, oh, I have this degree and that means I put myself in a box where I can only do this. That's not true. That's very good to hear. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My parents are both college professors and my mom says that all the time too. Like the important thing is, this is, oh, I'm going to steal this from my mom. What my mom always told me is that a college education is not about filling up your closet with knowledge. It is about filling up your closet with shelves and hooks and bars that you can put things on later. So it's about giving you that like structure, but it doesn't have to be all the things that you ever learn. I love that. I know, I love it too. (laughs) Where did this come from? And why is it, I don't know. It's what my mom told me. This has been Sean Roggenkamp, a very smart individual with apparently a very smart mom. This advice at the end did really resonate with me because I took a long time to settle on my majors and notice I said majors, you know, I'm still trying to do two and I don't really know what I'm going to do with either. They're history and theater, so take that for what you will. But I think hearing this put all of that into perspective. Anyway, this has been All Roads from Oberlin, an independent project produced by Patty Stubel, Maddie Henke, whose voice you just heard conducting the interview, and me, Julian Worth. Big thanks to Sean for coming on this episode. Our sick cover art is from Steven Menser, and our iconic theme music appears courtesy of the incredible Piper Hill and Claudia Hinsdale. 
I meant both are incredible, not just like, not just Piper. Feel free to check out our website at allroadsfromoberlin.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening.